Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is May 14th, 2018, and this is episode 237. My name is Jake English. And I am Scott Magnus. On this week's show, well, it's our favorite show of the year. We bring in a few very special guests. And we'll also go ahead and um, we'll talk about... Um, is being good bad for the Orioles? And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking this week? Jake, I am drinking Dragon and Yum Yums. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. What? It is Dragons and Yum Yums. Yeah, you said it twice and I still... What is this? Is this beer? Is this... This is a beer from uh, Dogfish Head. It is an American Pale Ale. Uh, it is a um, collaboration between Dogfish Head and the Flaming Lips um, with a beer that has a, a little bit of a passion fruit aspect to the American Pale Ale. Almost a sour, but not quite there. And uh, what are your what are your feelings on it? Eh, it's okay. It's the best way to describe it. It's just okay. All right. Well, I um I I tr- I traded in a beer for a a beer to be named later today. Okay. Uh, I brought you a, a black lager, which I clearly was not going to drink. Okay, right? yes, it was, absolutely. It was, it was brought to me. I'm I'm not going to consume that. I handed it to you, and I said, do you have something cheap and light? And you said, uh, let me see what I can do. I did. So you went with Chupacabra and Barf Barf. <laughs> yeah. So Scotty brought me a Corona Extra, which I believe you had baking in the sun for nine hours. Uh, so It was actually... Three months, but <laughs> <laughs> so not only am I drink- in a warm fridge. Not only am I drinking Corona, I'm drinking a Corona with ice, which my uh, great grandmother would have been delighted about. That is a foul, foul drink. That may be the worst drink of the week. That should have been done last week when we were in <laughs> absolute despair. All right. If you're interested to see what it is that we are drinking, please drink with us socially. We're on Untapped. I'm at Jake E. 4025. And I'm at MAG and 8606. Please tell me you're going to put that on untapped. Is Corona Extra with ice? Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, I I'm think, not a man with standards, sir. I believe after that, it's going to be time for all of us to get a checkup. All right, digging on into the medical wing. What's good going on? Let's let's start small and build our way up, okay. shall we? Uh, let's talk about Darren O'Day. Okay, Darren O'Day. I believe, if I understand this injury correctly, he was stretching. Yes, got bumped into. Yes, and had his arm hyperextended. Yes, that's correct. All right, now you know how I feel about Darren O'Day. He's yes. the only Oriole that's older than me. May he play forever. This is kind of an embarrassing injury. It is extremely embarrassing, but this seems like a pothole injury. Quick aside. Yes. Uh, if you looked at Twitter today, you would see, and I hope I'm not, uh, I hope I'm not infringing too much on this <gasps> week on the Twitters. There was a tweet from, uh, from Suspetta's family barbecue where they showed the, basically the best players at each position for every, every year. Okay. Um, 1982 and, and before and 19, I think it was 92 and, and, uh, and after so we don't talk about 82 to 92 right um but nothing so, happened so i we were on holiday i'm looking at my column right uh and i realized with horror not that i'm past my baseball prime that i knew i was not upset about that 
You had I, a prime? I realized, yeah, it was uh, 9, 10 Little League. Um, I realized with horror that I'm the same age as Matt Albers. Ooh. That just, when I look at Matt Albers, I think sad, fat, old man. I think the same thing when I look at you, Jake. <laughs> That's not nice. Yeah. I also think nationals, but. <laughs> so, yes, Darren O'Day is injured much like my pride. That's a great segue. Uh, also, on the medical wing, we've got Pedro Alvarez with a hamstring, but he's expected to return back. Is that a phantom injury or is that a real thing? I think that was a real thing. Because he was swinging the bat okay. Yeah, I think that okay. was a real thing. Uh, and then Chris Tillman, 10-day DL. Um, came down with the sucks. Came down with the heavy degree of sucks. Indicated that there's a back injury. Um, but there really hasn't been any discussion about what's Tillman's next step. So um, I, I think I know the medical treatment, by the way. First, you take him behind the shed. Okay. So this, he's been Rasmus, is what you're telling me. Yes. Okay. Do you buy it? Do you think that some of his performance could be explained by a lower back? No. 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 I think this is the end for Chris Tillman, and we'll get into that later on the show. But I, I think... Uh, the Orioles don't want to make a move for Chris Tillman in case something else happens. But I think Chris Tillman is, has effectively, as I put it earlier, been Rasmus and he has no place left on this team. I hope that you're right. As far as injury is concerned, I feel like the Orioles are pretty decently well off at this point. Right. There are no major missing parts. In fact, I think the injury report is doing them more favors than harm. You're absolutely right. We are days away from a Manny Machado knee injury. Stop it. Um, Tim Beckham, he's still alive. If that were to happen, by the way, which, of course, it's going to happen this year. We all know this is going to happen. How devastating would the entire fan base be if Manny Machado goes out with a knee injury for the rest of the season? Well, let me... First of all... Well, we have to go on suicide watch at this point. <laughs> first of all, I do not accept the validity of the point. I, I do not I do not accept the premise of the statement. Jake, me, if we're going to go into Dark Ages baseball, let's get dark, Okay. Okay, I'm going to treat myself as a hostile witness here. Okay. But let's just... Are you taking the fifth? Let's just get... No. Okay. No. Let's go. Let's do this. Don't pull a stormy. My, my <laughs> first initial uh, reaction to... My first initial, not the second initial. Gotcha. My first initial reaction to the Zach Britton injury was, if the Orioles wanted to, right. this would be the time to extend it. Okay. So I would say, if something, God forbid, and Scott said it, and I won't say it out loud, if something happened, I think that that would play into the Orioles' favor... More than anything else. God, that beer must be really bad. You must be suffering from some kind of toxin. I think it's the ice that came out of your dispenser. No. You don't think that... There is zero chance. No. Okay. I don't think there's any chance of his, his $6 million knees blowing out again. Jake, the comments that you have just made for the past minute mm -hmm. could be... You've never been so wrong before on this podcast. I award you no <laughs> points. And may God have mercy on you. May yourself. God have mercy on you, Birdland, for listening to Jake's ramblings. With that, 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. <laughs> All right, we're going to start with keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Uh, this tweet comes from Coolhead2010. This is Greg Wisniewski. I guess that's right for Canadian. I don't really speak their language. Um, he is a co-owner, author, and podcaster for uh, Turf Pod, the uh, Baseball Prospectus Toronto Blue Jays podcast. An all-around nice guy, by the way. Greg, I love you. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we're watching the Dylan Bundy start uh, earlier this week, and uh, Dylan Bundy promptly decided to go and shard himself. And um, Greg decided to tweet as follows. Here, his ear I went to, and then we gif it, of course, to infinity and beyond. 
He wasn't wrong. I think Zach will, will appreciate that one. <laughs> All right. Next, Scott, you know that the game is going poorly when you get trolled by Looney Tunes. And that's all, folks. And the Orioles did. Yeah. Sports Illustrated, of all people, also not good to be trolled by, Yeah, made a comment on the uh, Royals and Orioles game with that uh, Gorilla Gang uh, conga line around the bases with the famous Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, the 2018 New York Yankees. <laughs> right. And Looney Tunes responded back with, hey, at Orioles, just make the call. I'm available with Bugs Bunny on the mound. Not a good sign, guys. We don't philosophically participate in signing rabbits. We do not. <laughs> All right. Our next tweet comes from, because that works so well for Brian Mattis, and this one comes from Matt Kremnitzer. You can follow him at Matt Kremnitzer. And he tweets as follows. Looking forward to the Cubs fixing Tillman. Look, I understand that the Cubs did a miraculous job fixing Chris Tillman and getting some serviceable performance out of Pedro Strope as well. But Chris Tillman is no Jake Arrieta. Chris Tillman is barely a Brian Mattis at this point. Chris Tillman is done. Uh, let's see. Next tweet goes into the category of, oh, embrace the love. Uh, this next tweet comes from uh, Morgan at MMDay314. When Manny and Scope go back to back, and of course, we've got another lovely GIF here, because who really needs 280 characters left when you can do it in a GIF? And of course, it's, Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed getting up into the ocean and embracing lovingly in their arms. Jake, we've done this before at Rehoboth. Absolutely. Can I make... Were our shorts that short? My shorts are always that short. Were you really that black? Plenty. Can I make a confession? Sure. Never seen the film. Really? I've never seen a Rocky film ever. Really? Ever. You have no clue whether this is from one, two, three, four, or five? In fact, the reason I made you read this tweet is because... I wasn't sure. Do you sure know what who this Apollo was. Creed is? Uh, he is a character in Rocky. Got one it. through got, five. Got down into it. We need to solve this issue just like we need to show Super Troopers to our good friend who has never seen it. We need to sit you down and at least watch Rocky one time. I'm I'm not sure we're there yet. We are there yet. You will love it. You'll be inspired. You'll be screaming, Adrian. All right, our final tweet comes from Dan Zaborski, who, of course, tweets at D Zaborski and features prominently week in and week out on Scott Magnus's Orioles Twitter power rankings. I think you have a bit of an internet crush here, Scotty. Well, it's either between Dan or Matt. So. That's true. Uh, it's nice that the O's are getting Dylan Bundy some sweet revenge, though this also means that now everyone in Baltimore is going to fantastically overrate Joey Rickard for like two months. True. It's true. It's it's very, this, very This true. is absolutely how we roll, and uh, yeah, well played. Absolutely. All right, so Mother's Day weekend has come and gone, um, and we are left with this emptiness, which is our next segment. So typically this is when we would introduce our wives to basically take over the show, or in previous years they basically have locked us out of the podcast studio so they can do our, our, do our episode. You, you know, Jake, I, I really feel like we as individuals are very musically inclined. And I think people have seen that with the uh, the vocal stylings that both of us have projected. You better than me, obviously, um, according to Derek Arnold. Although I really think Derek really pines for me to sing occasionally. I, th- I think he, uh, he wishes self-harm more than he lets on. But Jake, I ask you this question. Have you ever thought to yourself, um, if I could give a theme song or some walk-up music to my wife, what song would you pick? 
I have uh, not considered it until this evening. Um, but you know, there are, there are plenty things that I, I could say. Um, I have been told that, uh, from, from time to time, uh, she, she is, uh, mean spirited. We'll see if this next segment, uh, um, bears that out. But here's the More thing. More than likely. Here's the thing with Sarah. Uh, there are very few songs, uh, that include the name Sarah that are any good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're left with, you know, Hall and Oates and, and it, it just goes down from there. So we're going with Hall and Oates? <laughs> no. Uh, unless you're going to do Maneater. Um, my my uh, song for for Sarah is this one. Go ahead and let me. That's the Beatles. It is indeed. Oh wow! Now here's the thing. This may sound like a compliment, but like most things with me, this is complicated, and there are, there are layers. Obviously, this song brings together all of my favorite loves: uh, the Beatles first and foremost, and then my my beloved wife. Um. But this song was not originally called Sexy Sadie. You see, it was originally about uh, the Maharishi, uh, a guy that John Lennon found to be abhorrent, a guy that John Lennon thought was a fraud and he wanted to make a fool of in public. I'm not doing such a good job with this, am I? No. I call Sarah Sadie sometimes, so I like this song. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. Can I be honest with you? Do it. Sexy Sadie may be in my top ten Least favorite Beatles oh, songs. Oh my gosh. We are going to fight about this off the podcast. We, we can fight about this off the podcast because honestly, we probably could go on for about a half an hour about how much, honestly, how much I hate the White Album in general. Oh no. But that's just oh, me. Oh man. That's just me. When there's, no, when there's no episode next week, guys, it's because we killed each other after yeah. the mic went off. We will talk about this offline. There, let's just say there's plenty of Beach Boy albums that are better than the White Album. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. How about for Carrie? Um, so I, there's a lot that I could go with, but I'm going to go, um, with, I'm going to go one with one when we were kind of dating a song that we listened to. Um, and I really think it's kind of got a similar biting characteristic to it, but I think overall, uh, the song in itself does describe her pretty well. Um, and let's see if you actually recognize this one. It's going to be like 97, 98. Now listen, anybody that marries me and has three children, you've made mistakes. <laughs> you assume they're yours. You assume they're yours. But this is an individual that literally puts herself out there and supports all of us. And not just myself, my children, but the entire aspect of the group and the in the general community. I mean, I think back to we went to the Oriole game on Friday night. And she organized this whole aspect thing. We're going to get 15 people in there. We're all going to sit together. We're going to make this happen. And she truly is everything to everyone by Everclear. Thanks. I'm sleeping on the couch. You're doing fine this week. And honestly, I love Everclear. All right. I'm going to need to drink Everclear through this baseball season. Well, there's no question about that. All right. So... With that, that's kind of been our theme songs, our walk-ups aspect for our wives. 
I do wonder to myself on what they would select for a musical interlude for ourselves and potentially for the rest of our family. Let's let them uh, intertwine here and uh, proliferate a little bit on that given topic. Happy Mother's Day, Birdland. The Baseball Widows are back for our annual Mother's Day episode. So um, we went to the Star Wars uh, fireworks-themed baseball game on Friday night, and then some of our family members went to the doubleheader on Saturday, and then we were back at the stadium for the 17-1 to fantastic game on Mother's Day. Because where else would we spend our Mother's Day? Right. The spa? No. Trip to the beach? I really wanted a pedicure. You know, like these things just don't happen for us. Um, However, while we were there, we were thinking about what walk-up songs our family members should have. So we've made a little list for you. And we came up with walk-up songs for our kids and for the boys. So we're going to share them with you and hope that they don't hate us after we share them. The kids or the boys. <laughs> so we'll start with our own boys, our sons, our real children. Yes. Um, and Though they all feel like children sometimes. It really does feel like that sometimes. Um, so I'm going to start with my son, Connor. And the song I chose for him is Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. And I chose this song because the boy is always eating. I kid you not, I fear for when he's a teenager. He's only five, and I really don't know how I'm going to feed him when his appetite doubles or triples. This is a kid who might quite possibly be a hobbit. He eats breakfast, then he eats second breakfast, then he eats snack at school, then he eats lunch, then he has snack at school, snack at home, dinner, and sometimes I find empty applesauce pouches or granola bar wrappers in his bed. So he is definitely hungry, like the wolf for 20 wolves. It's a true story. She's not lying or exaggerating. I've I've seen witness to this. Um, so for my Henry, he's in a bit of a stage where everything's a competition and he knows more than everyone else. So I chose the song, Anything You Can Do, Anything I Can Do Better. And pretty much every day when I pick him up from school, I ask him a question like, Hey, Henry, how was your day? And he'll respond with, It was good. Okay, so tell me something good that happened. And he will proceed to tell me either the worst thing that happened or how he was better than somebody else at something else that they were doing in school. And then Maddie will try to chime in, and he will try to up her, and it's a constant battle of anything you can do, I can do better. I think I was a little kinder to the girls when I came up with songs for my girls. I don't know about you, Sarah. <laughs> Certainly not. Sorry, Maddie. But my youngest, Harper, is only nine months. So the song I chose for her is Fighter by Christina Aguilera. And I didn't just choose the song because I love 90s, early 2000s pop hits. I really do, by the way. Um, I chose it because Harper had a little bit of a rough start. I know Scott mentioned it, but our last year with her has been a little tough. She's been in and out of the hospital. She's got some medical stuff going on. But to look at her, you wouldn't know it. She is truly a fighter and hopefully also one day a lover of early 2000s pop hits. 
That's almost a given in your family. I hope so. (laughs) All right. So for my daughter, I'm sorry, Madison, but I was far less kind to you. I have chosen the song Wipeout by the Surf Aries or Surf and Safaris, I believe they were once called. I'm not really sure. I was in the live dens in the 60s. Yeah, you know the song Wipeout. So I chose this song for Maddie because she is by far the clumsiest child I've ever met in my entire life, and I've been a first grade teacher for 13 years. It's pretty impressive. She has a tendency to fall while standing still, sometimes fall while sitting in a chair, and generally just not be able to walk. When she rides her bike, she falls... God forbid she put on her roller skates. That's just an absolute disaster. So while I love her dearly and she has many, many talents and skills, walking is not one of them. And I will vouch for Sarah. She is not exaggerating there. But I can't say that my daughter Kylie is much better when it comes to the coordination department at all. Um, Still can't ride a bike, but we're working on it. For her, maybe appropriately because she can't ride a bike or roller skate or do things that require gross motor coordination. I chose Sit Still and Look Pretty (laughs) by (laughs) Daya or Daya. I'm not really sure how to say that one. And this song, every time I hear it, it makes me think of her because while she does care very much about being pretty, she is also one of those girls who is certainly not going to go quietly. She is going to control the shots. In fact, she already controls calls the shots with Scott and I think any man that she dates is going to be subject to her strong personality. She's pretty much got Henry wrapped around her little finger. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, that'll be a great wedding if it happens. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. I don't know what the rest of the marriage is going to look like, but the wedding will be amazing. Which kind of brings us to our boys and makes me think of the song that I chose for Scott. I did go a little sappy. I chose Let's Dance by David Bowie. Kind of twofold for this one. One, because if you've ever been around Scott when any music plays, 90s pop, 60s pop. Hide your eyes. He enjoys some dance moves and he's not exactly... um subtle with those moves or anything in his life true um so scott is definitely a dancer and at one of the games we were at this weekend i said i was actually surprised he hasn't ever won fan of the game because his moves are are quite a spectacle maybe because the cameramen are too afraid i don't they're not always appropriate for children that is true yeah Most of the time he keeps his shirt on. Most of the time. But I also chose the song because it is a really sweet song. It makes me think of him and how I enjoy dancing with him, whether he is dancing with his shirt on or without. You you were kinder than I was. And now I'm a smidge nervous to um, reveal what I picked for Jake. Um, I love you, honey. Uh, For Jake, I picked the song, I Feel Pretty. I love you too, honey. (laughs) Uh, This song is from West Side Story. It is a musical. And Jake, for 
um, I don't know, the 19 years or whatever that I've known him, has always been his very own walking musical. He has always talked about how much he would just love to be in a world where people randomly broke into song and dance and it was all coordinated and everybody knew the moves and the, and the words. So in that sense, it is pretty appropriate for him. Um, but also, I feel pretty and witty and gay because, well, I mean, he on the regular pretends to be pretty and witty and gay. Can we talk about the Mother's Day giveaway for a second? Oh my God, he took the scarf... Why did they give them to the guys, by the way? And put it on. Told us how he wished it was an ascot point. And refused to give it back. So at one point, Madison's legs were chilly because the weather that day was terrible. And he said no. He wouldn't take off his fruity little scarf to warm his daughter's legs. In his defense, there was another scarf. But still, come on. Sarah, it would have really messed with his look. He needed it. No, he he needed it to not be there. Mind you, I had already made him change his clothes twice that day because I wasn't going with him on Mother's Day wearing that stupid Hawaiian shirt. And then he went and put something else on equally bad. I don't even remember what. And I sent him back up to change one more time. Like, this is my day, my one time a year that I can demand you not look like an idiot. And we get there and he made himself look like an idiot anyway. At least he didn't wear the scarf with the Hawaiian shirt. Dear God, don't give him any ideas. Scotty, the Orioles have been absolutely, and I do mean absolutely, wretched in 2018. If you had asked me before this past week if the Orioles needed to blow it all up and rebuild, I would have answered you very clearly. Absolutely. But today? Today. After a series win against Kansas City and a series win against Tampa Bay, you know what my response is? My response is absolutely. All right, this was a fun week in Orioles baseball. But I'm worried that this small window of not misery will give fools out there the opportunity to talk themselves out of what is best for the Orioles. Let's just, let's do this, all right? Let's walk ourselves through the mental gymnastics that are required in order to think that this this week means that the Orioles should try. All right, the Orioles are now 15 games under 500. They're 15 and a half games back in the AL East and 11 and a half games back in the wild card race. Add to that the fact that the Yankees and the Red Sox are running away with the division and, frankly, one of the wild card uh, spots in the AL East. If you acknowledge that the prevailing quote unquote wisdom is that if you're at 500 by the All Star break, you're in reasonable contention for the second wild card spot, let's just take a look at what the Orioles would need to do in order to make that happen. Even by this low bar, The Orioles have 15 games to make up over the next 67 games. Now, let me break that down for you. Scott, as you know, I am the math person on this podcast. So in order to be 500 by the All-Star break, the Orioles would need to play a 6-11 winning percentage from now until May 15th. Their current winning percentage is about half of that. Their 317 winning percentage over 41 games shows us that this is not a club 
that has just had a couple of bad series. They've played over a quarter of their schedule. They are who we think they are. They're terrible. We would kill for this team right now to be a 500 club. A 500 winning percentage would be a huge improvement over where we are now. Unfortunately, a 500 winning percentage the rest of the way would mean that by July 15th, we'd be 15 games under 500. At the beginning of this season, we said that everything, everything had to break right for the Orioles in order for them to be in contention to make the playoffs. And things have not broken right. Scott, they've just broken. The Orioles cannot let this short but fun, and they have been fun, stretch of games deter them from making a difficult decision. Do what is hard now to ensure that watching this team for years to come is not hard. So we're still at the Orioles are really bad and they need to make a move. Yeah. Okay. But let's talk about this past week. Let's do it. It it was a fun week of baseball. Um, You know, we saw two series wins. And uh, you went to a lot of baseball games this past weekend, as was indicated by our wives in the previous previous segment. By the way, always excellent, always a wonderful job. Uh, literally, they could have their own podcast. My favorite, my favorite podcast of the year is yeah. Mother's Day, and you feel so pretty, I, so pretty, and witty, and witty, and bright. Yes. Um, it, there's one thing that occurred to me though watching this week, and it's when the Orioles are playing well. It is so nice to watch good Orioles baseball. And I think we need to come to the realization that such instances are going to be few and far between going forward in the future. And Jake, I completely agree with you that the Orioles need to make the move sooner rather than later to start the rebuild and the teardown. And I will watch games um, such as those and say, I will probably want to see those games that often. And it's going to be difficult to watch Dark Ages baseball. But you know what's really going to be nice is when the Orioles do manage to pull out games like they have this past week and they do manage to hit a few home runs and really play up to expectations that we've had for them, we're going to think back to memories of this decade, of this era um, of between 2012 to 2017 and we're going to think to ourselves, that was a good period in Orioles baseball. And I think, you know, before the Dark Ages happened, we can think back down to 96 and 97 as playoff teams. But you look back at that team and you say, those were two years and it was a fleeting moment. And you had Ripken that basically somewhat surmised the entire era, but it was one player Ripken was not the entire team, but there really was very little aspect around the team besides Ripken. And I really feel like when we look back on this era, sure, we'll think about Jones, but we're also going to think about players like Machado and Scope. But even back to 2012, we're going to think about Mark Reynolds, and we're going to think about Nate McLeod, who still hit the foul pole. Totally. Just ask Charlie Hoppus. Right. And we're just going to think about all these players that you wouldn't have thought would have made a difference, but they did make a difference. And it's this story. And again, you know, I think going into potentially another rebuild or another dark ages, we can look at these games where the Orioles play similar to the way they did for the 2012 season and similar to the 2014 season. And certainly 
reminisce about the good times and say, that's the Orioles that I remember, and that's the Orioles I want to be. And I think to a certain regard, this is kind of what we have seen in the past when the Dark Ages were happening, where older fans would come back and say, that's not the way the Orioles used to play. Back in the 60s and 70s, the Orioles used to play in this fashion. And it's my opinion that we're going to look back on this in a similar fashion, that when the Orioles play poorly or the Orioles play well, we're going to look back on this stretch of five seasons and we're going to say, that's how the Orioles played when they were a playoff team and they had a chance to go into the playoffs and do well. All right. I accept the premise. But let me ask you this. Sure. Isn't it also possible that we're going to go into this next area of Dark Ages baseball and we're going to compare the the rare awesome wins to the rare awesome wins from the Dark Ages? Mm. I mean, I remember going to a game in which the Orioles were getting beat 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. They waited through a 71-minute rain delay mm-hmm. and then they came back and beat the Boston Red Sox. And at the time, it was the greatest overcome of a deficit from a last place team over a first place team and that victory sustained me for weeks Mm -hmm. right because they were so few and far between but it was such a great moment and i think that each of us has a a memory like that from the dark ages whether it be you know something silly like watching felix pa hit for the cycle sure or you know you happen to go to a game where they didn't lose I think those are the things that we're going to look back and be like, oh, it's like that. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, and I I understand that you could think about that way. But I think think that's a very masochist tendency for you to basically say, let's go back and take a look at something that um, is extreme suffering and physical pain and go back and do this. And look, we just heard your wife talk about you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think we know, you know, masochism is part of the mo for the english family yeah but there's there's background music so it's great of course exactly um but i I think what's really important is i think the general birdland individual will look back on this and look fondly at the good times and basically say i'm going to look at this good moment and apply it to a good moment and then apply a bad moment and apply it to a bad moment i think that's just typical human psychology And I think that when we were watching baseball occur this past week, we said, wow, the Orioles are really playing like they used to play. If only they could have done this at the beginning of the season, they could have potentially been a playoff team. And I look back and I was like, well, really, you only win two series. Like two series is really not that big of a deal. We've had previous teams that had losing records post two series wins. But I think we look at the way they played baseball, the way they won, the way they went out there and put out certain performances with their pitching, and we said, this is what reminds me of the teams of recent, the teams of the Dan Duquette and the Buck Walter era. And I think that's what people are going to look at for the next five to ten years, however long this rebuild takes. And I think that's what we're going to look at and say, we should accept the fondness and the greatness, which was these past few years, And we can apply that as a glimmer of hope of saying that's the way baseball should be played in Baltimore. And it's funny. I I said this back when the Orioles won the New York series, right? Three games to one. It's funny how far a couple of wins will take you when the team is terrible, right? The team had grossly underperformed, and then they won that series in New York. And I was like, ah, this is exactly what I was waiting for. This is what baseball is supposed to be. I've missed this. And that really sustained me through the next week of them sucking. 
And it took me a while to get beaten back down. And I, I look at a period like now, you know, two straight seasons or two, two straight series and the, the Tampa Bay series had a, a bunch of highs, you know, including a, a 17 to one beat down. You know, you can ride that for a while in a gross season. I completely agree. And again, you know, more than likely coming up into this week, the Orioles are going to fall right back into either 500 or further mediocrity below 500. But it's during these brief stretches that we have to admire and basically say, hey, this was fun to watch. And it's okay admitting that you can have fun watching. And But this doesn't preclude you from saying it still needs to be torn down and it still needs to have a rebuild going on. Yeah, my deepest fear is that people are going to look at this and be like, oh, that, that, you know, this might be okay. I feel like we're beyond the this might be okay point, right? Unless you write for Masson right now, which said possibly, you know, maybe they should reconsider. Masson, look me up. I'm I'm available. There should be no reconsiderations here. The the ship has sunk. Um, you're not bringing that ship back up. So sad, but the grave has been made. Let's move on from it. But again, let's tip the cap to the Baltimore Orioles this week. Really fun baseball. Really enjoyable weekend. Yeah. Um, let's hopefully see more games like this and more series like this going forward. Doesn't have to necessarily be uh, up to the all-star break in order to basically get back to 500 because certainly that's not going to happen. But let's hope that, you know, occasionally we can have a week or two where this is the case and we don't have um, a reappearance of what we saw previously on the West Coast trip where there was no good baseball being played. Yeah, and the other thing is that let's just say the Orioles do execute a trade. Yeah, let's say the the Orioles unload Manny or or some of their other assets. Barring any injury. I think it's possible this team still plays better than they've played over the first 40 games, and there's still something to watch where, you know, even if they play close to 500, you know, baseball all the way out, you still have something to watch for every night because they might win. You know, that's a far cry from what we've seen in the first quarter of the season, which is, well, they probably won't win tonight, but let's just watch anyway. Right. So... And if that's not a ringing endorsement, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, yeah. Well, again, I feel very inspired, and I feel so inspired that I think it's time for us to go through the numbers at Fantasy Boss. This also would have been a great song for my wife. I just can't wait for this one to be stuck in your head for the rest of the week. Thanks a lot, jerk. Jake, I gotta admit, this was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I assumed once uh, I saw Richard Blyer pitch that one inning that my my whole week was over. My assumption was when Manny Machado continued to hit home run after home run, the win probability added would be all in my favor. But shockingly, it was really close. Manny Machado posted only a win probability added of .20, and Richard Blyer posted a win probability added of .17. It certainly felt... Like, it was bigger than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Richard Blyer came in for uh, one outing, and, uh, you know, the, the the ship finally started the leak, right? The SS Blyer finally had a hole in it. Um, luckily, you know, it didn't cost them the game. But at the same time, uh, yeah, relievers have so few opportunities that I thought that clearly must be it. And Manny Machado hit every ball 
you know, out of the zip code? How is it? I mean, he had a game where he had a two-run homer and a grand slam. How does that not change the wins probability added right there? I, I guess it's a situation of they were already ahead by enough runs mm-hmm. that the win probability didn't change. But certainly, um, it felt like Manny Machado had a bigger week in terms of win probability added in terms of just closing out the deal. Um, but again, I still won. I just feel like the number is... You just want to run up the score. That's, that's yeah, what it exactly. Was. Exactly. I wanted to dominate, basically. Uh, so contest is at 4-3. to three. Jake, you're still in the lead. Uh, Jake, it's your category this week. What are you going with? It's been so long since I picked a category, Scott. Yes. I'm not. I'm not even sure how to do this anymore. Right. Um, but I've thought about it. Okay, I've thought about it. We had just an absolute unleashing of the Baltimore offense this weekend, capped off by Mother's Day on Sunday with an, a 17 run outpouring. Um, we got shut out. We nearly got shut out. On the West Coast for Dongs After Dark. Yeah. Scotty, I'm doing it. I'm going back. Going to back the, to the well? Going back to the Dong. Okay. Uh, is a, a certain individual disqualified? The, no, everybody's on the table. All right. I'm going to go with Mr. Dope himself, Jonathan Scope. Ah, that was my pick. <laughs> Scotty, that was my pick. All right. So I think Jonathan Scope is a great pick. Uh, it would be Chalk. To take Manny Machado, um, and so I. So I th- you're taking Jerry Record. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> I feel like my choices are really down to say Adam Jones or uh, Trey Mancini. What, 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 are we precluding Chris Davis, who hit two home runs this past week? Yes, I'm precluding Chris Davis. Okay, I have zero respect for Chris Davis's offensive capabilities this season. What about Mark Trumbo? I'm going to go with Trey Mancini. <laughs> well, folks, I tried to encourage Jake to pick one of our power hitters. Look, but... this is a dong fest, and I'm going to go with the leadoff hitter. Well, we're going to find out if Jonathan Scope or Trey Mancini will be uh, leading off in Dongtown. And with that, it's time to find out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week in Orioles baseball. That's right, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly in the week that was Orioles baseball. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. I'm going to pick my good for this week. Scott, my good was starter David Hess. Look, first major league start. He came in. Some of the innings were a little rocky, but the overall body of work was something to look forward to. Six innings pitched with three earned runs. Uh, I liked what I saw from David Hess. Uh, what I liked particularly was the walk count, which was zero against three strikeouts in six innings. Um, you know, particularly when we have seen so many poor performances from the starter, uh, from the starting rotation, it's nice to see that a minor league guy like Hess can come up and make a meaningful contribution. And, you know, again, uh, I forget who it was on, on the Twitters that pointed out that we had the same reaction from Mike Wright once upon a time. But, uh, hey. Jason Birkin as well. <laughs> Brad for, Bergeson as well. For the time being, I am... Rocky Coppinger. 
I am high on David Hess. It was a good start, so he's my good. Good for him. Uh, Manny Machado, good for this week. Uh, two forty-seven weighted runs created plus uh, eight eighty-nine slugging percentage, four thirty-three on base percentage, four home runs. Manny Machado, uh, and Fuego MVP. Yeah. Uh, so let me go ahead to bad. My bad is Chris Tillman. There's no other way to say it. One point one inning, and I mean everything else was just wretched. Five earned runs, and really, it's not even about that start. It's about the the body of work that he had going on before that start. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back, not only for the season but his career. Chris Tillman is bad. He's a bad pitcher and can no longer be our number five. Shame on you. I'm rolling my newspaper and swatting you in the nose. Chris Tillman, you are bad. Uh, so my bad for this week is going to go to Richard Blyer. And it's the people that booed Richard Blyer this week. Oh, is the bad. nice. There is no reason in the world that any fan should be booing Richard Blyer. Yes, I realized that he had a rough week this week. But Richard Blyer was absolutely amazing coming up in this week. And for folks to boo him just shows how... Um, unknowledgeable fans are in not baltimore. orioles fans yeah, no. no don't tell peter schmuck this but baltimore fans may be um not the best fans in baseball wander into orioles facebook and see what you think about the fan base after that absolutely all right i'm gonna go to my ugly and scotty this player could have been my good and my ugly but i chose just the ugly i'm gonna go with dylan bunny okay and you know look he had like five Cy Young caliber starts and then three really awful starts and then a really good start this week. I was enthused by what I saw in the second start. But when you're historically bad, you wander into the ugly category. Dylan Bundy gave up seven runs without recording an out and was removed from the game. If that's not ugly, I don't know what else is. And when everything, when all of the wheels have fallen off the wagon, you need Dylan Bundy to do well. You need Dylan Bundy to do well enough to not be removed without recording it out. Dylan Bundy was ugly in that start this week. Again, great later on, but he has shaken my faith in him enough that I'm not sure that that last start was an outlier or whether it was a return to form. So for what he did, ugh, Dylan Bundy, you're ugly. Jake, you asked a few minutes ago, or a few seconds ago even, what could be uglier than that? And I present you this. I present you a Chris Tillman. A Chris Tillman who had no strikeouts in his appearance this week, Mm -hmm. had a 20.25 walks per nine, a 6.75 home runs per nine, uh, also posted a 33.75 ERA, uh, and a 19.65 FIP, uh, Jake, on the season, Chris Tillman is posting a 10.46 ERA. So he is worse than Mattis, is what you're telling me. Yes, he is worse than Brian Mattis. Jake, he has pitched seven times so far this season. Unfortunately so. Unfortunately so. He's only gotten 26.2 innings out of this and has posted a stat line of 4.39 Ks per nine, 5.74 walks per nine, and 2.03 home runs per nine. Jake English, Chris Tillman is done. Chris Tillman will have no part of this team anymore. If we saw anything this week, it was David Hess and Miguel Castro, and whoever else that is present within the Orioles Orioles minor league system is obviously better than Chris Tillman. Folks, we can look back, as we talked about in the last segment, 
about the good times that Chris Tillman had. And he had some good seasons. But we have to now basically take Chris Tillman behind the shed, wish him goodbye, and shoot him right in the head. Maybe we should just put him on an ice floe. No, I think we need to shoot him in the head. Okay. Chris Tillman, you're ugly. Chris Tillman, you're ugly. And um, you're going to get the old yellow treatment. It's nice knowing you. I think it's time to blow the safe. Absolutely, it's time to blow the safe. So, Scotty, you mentioned we went to a lot of baseball. A lot. A lot of baseball this weekend. I had a great great time with my family. Uh, you know, we went as a group on Friday. We went as a family on Sunday. I went on Saturday to two games with my son, and uh, you know, if I was worried about losing affecting my boy, uh, I did not give him enough credit. It was it was a great weekend. But you you mentioned something this weekend that I want to come back to, sure. and that's this. One of the things I noticed throughout the weekend was that the upper deck was uh, more full than I had expected for the game. And so I ask you the same question you asked uh, rhetorically this weekend: Is the fan is the uh, kids cheer free program working for the Orioles? I say absolutely, positively yes. I feel like Friday night we saw a ton of kids. I'm not sure what you saw on Saturday because I didn't get to attend. But I feel like Friday and Sunday, and I realize Sunday was a little league day, sure. But I feel like Friday and Sunday we saw a ton of kids in the upper deck. And I think now that we are starting to get into decent baseball weather, folks are saying, you know what? That's a pretty good deal. I'm willing to go down there and buy one or two tickets in order to take my entire family and get in the ballpark for under $40 and go ahead and make a night of it. And I think we're going to see this through June and July and August. And I think this is really going to be the story going forward for the 2018 Orioles is not so much the play on the field, but the aspect of starting a new generation familiar with Orioles baseball and just getting them out to the park. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. From what I saw this weekend, again, I, I watched four baseball games in person this weekend. Um, and and uh, yeah, a lot of kids at the park. So, you know, somebody at the box office was joking with the person behind the window uh, and said, you know, God, I guess you got to, this is what you have to do now, right? But the Orioles didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. We've seen them make so many mistakes, not only on the field, but off the field. The Orioles didn't have to do this, and they have. Um, and I, th- I think it is a real, um, you know, I, I think it is a real credit to them. And not only is it a credit to them as an organization, but I think it will help them, you know, maybe not now, but 10, 15 years from now. And again, they're making all the right moves. I mean, even walking through the upper deck, the prevalence of the kids' hot dogs and the kids' sodas that are prevalent in the upper deck now, the the prevalence now of the new playground with the area where you can just go literally walk up to and be like, oh, you have food for both adults and kids. So if my kids want a pretzel or my kids want a kid's hot dog for $1.50, I can be like, yeah, sure. I'll buy you two hot dogs for $3. No problem. Like $3 is easy. Like that's not an issue. The Orioles are making all the small moves. They're picking up the small pieces just like they did throughout 2012 where they picked up that waiver wire piece. And they're doing the small things in order to build the foundation for the future. 
And it's those small moves that, in the general scheme of things, the fan that is on Facebook, as you pointed out, will scream and say, yeah, but they should be doing this, and it's all Peter Angelo's fault. But keep in mind, it was the Angelos' family's decision to basically go out and support this initiative and say, we're willing to throw away some money in order to support the city and bring fans back to the ballpark, especially considering the recent events that have happened in Baltimore over the past few years. Yeah. I, I think that the, uh, the kids cheer free so far has getting gotten an A plus for me. It, it's a great initiative. If you haven't taken advantage of it, please do. It's, it's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, people are responding to it. So, uh, it was nice to see this weekend. Yep. And that, that is our show. So remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. And please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. We love meeting new people and talking Orioles baseball with other diehard fans. Email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is at Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And watch out for that walk-up music. You know, I think having a musical in life in general would be an amazing thing. It would. I mean, what could be so wrong with choreographed dance? No conflict anymore. We need to work something out. Let's dance it out and sing together. Absolutely. I think I think the Orioles are relying on that a little too much this season. Absolutely. It's over. Go home. Go.